lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Father, we love you, we praise you, we adore you. Father, tonight I pray that the fire of heaven would fall. Let the wind of God blow through this place. Lord, I pray that you would flood every person under the sound of my voice. Let them be a body wholly flooded and filled with God himself. Lord, I thank you that tonight would be a night of an encounter with the Holy Ghost. I pray that you'd anoint our ears to hear from heaven. Let our hearts be receptive to receive a fresh empowerment from the Holy Spirit. And Father, we promise to give Jesus the praise, the glory, and the honor. You said in your word where two or three are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst of them. So Lord, we thank you that you're here tonight. Your presence is among us in this place. And Father, we just open our hearts now. We open our mouths wide. We know that you'll fill it. So we thank you in Jesus' name. If you receive that prayer, say amen. amen. And amen. You may be seated. As you're taking your seat, you can open up to the book of, uh, of Ephesians, chapter 3. And you're there, just say amen. Ephesians 3. It says in verse 14, I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, Ephesians right after Galatians. In chapter 14, for this reason, seeing the greatness of this plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Verse 16, may he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit, himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. <laughs> Verse 17. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. Verse 18 that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints the experience of that love. And what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it? And that, may, that you may really come to know, practically through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. <laughs> That you may be filled through all your being unto the fullness of God and may have the richest measure of divine presence and become a body holy, flooded, and filled with God himself. <laughs> now unto him who by the action of his power that's at work within us is able to carry out its purpose and do super abundantly far above and far over all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers and desires and thoughts and hopes and dreams. To him be the glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. In the King James Version in Ephesians 3, 19, it says, And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, and that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work 
at work within us. So we see the scripture of Ephesians 3.20, unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we dare ask or think. You know, you see that embroidered on pillows, you see it on coffee mugs, you see it quoted on Facebook, people make memes out of it. But they, they, miss, they miss something. Because it says, unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, far above all that we ask or think. But it's according to the power that's at work within us. What God is, wants to do in each life, in this place, and those watching online, is only according to the power that you allow God to work inside of you. Little power at work within, little power at work without. Big power at work within, big power at work without. In other words, when God does something to you, he's going to do something through you, and it's up to you how far you're going to allow the Lord to come and do that work. Are you with me? There was a, a cowboy preacher who uh, was over in South Africa, and he was preaching a sermon, and this guy was from Texas. So this guy, he was an actual cowboy, but he was also a preacher, and he would travel to nations, and this was back in the 60s. And he would preach with big cowboy boots, and you can imagine over in South Africa seeing a cowboy. Wouldn't that be funny, you know? Because they don't know, you know, cowboys, that's an American thing. And uh, so this cowboy preacher, he comes, he has a, you know, the hat and everything. He's preaching, and he began to tell the story of, about how he was in Texas, and, and, you know, there was an Indian man. He was actually an Indian chief that came. Again, this is in the 50s and 60s when this happened. This Indian chief came to one of his meetings in Texas. I mean, he had the full headdress and everything. He came, and he sat all the way in the back, and he sat like this the whole service. And this evangelist was there. You know, this cowboy preacher, he was there for five nights just sitting. The, the, the Indian was sitting in the back just looking at him like this. And he said he watched the Indian every night for five nights. Just look at him. But he said on the last night, he decided to pray for everybody who wanted the power of the Holy Ghost. So on the last night, people, well, actually, it was through the whole week. But at the last night, he had a special prayer. If you haven't been prayed for, you want prayed for, I'll pray for you. And the Indian chief got up at the end, and he came up to the cowboy preacher. And this is, you know, he hadn't talked the whole week, but this is all he said. He looked at the cowboy preacher. He said, me no want little, little Holy Ghost. Go, hallelujah, hallelujah. He looked at the cowboy. He said, me want big Holy Ghost. Go, hallelujah. <laughs> when I heard that story, my pastor told it. When I heard that story, I thought, that's me. I don't want little Holy Ghost. Go, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want big Holy Ghost. Can you say Amen. Because he's able to do super abundantly above what we ask or think according to the power of the Holy Ghost that's working on the inside of you. Yes. That Indian chief must have sat for those five nights and watched everyone. He must have saw some people getting little Holy Ghost and some people getting big Holy Ghost. Not that the Holy Ghost is little or small, but you can either yield little or you can yield big to him. And it's up to you. Amen. So he watched the people. He saw some people, hallelujah, hallelujah. Don't want to bump into the person next to you, hallelujah. And he saw some other people, hallelujah. He wanted that. Because he saw that that's where the power was. Amen. People responding to the anointing. Because here's what you, do, you, you, you must understand this. That when God comes in and he begins to move and he begins to touch you. 
You know, you go read in the Bible what happens when God touches people. They go walking and leaping and praising God. Some pe- the lady Sunday, and you know, I, I hope that they're able to make it throughout the week, but I'm glad she came up and told everybody. She said, I was sitting there, I wanted to shout, but I didn't. But there's a lot of people, the Lord will move on their hearts, the Holy Ghost will move, and then they don't yield, and that's called quenching the Holy Ghost. Amen. And the Bible says, do not quench the Spirit of God. The three sins against the Holy Spirit. Number one, quenching the Holy Ghost. That's when you feel by the Spirit to do something and you don't do it. And that happens in churches all across America every Sunday. Where even sometimes the pastor will quench. When God's moving, he'll shut it down. And that's quenching. That's when a fire it wants to burn and you put it out. So number one, quenching the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. That's, we can grieve the Holy Spirit by things we do and by things we say. And you know when you d- you've done that, because who's ever said something and you want to take the words and put it back in your mouth? Like, ugh. You, know, you feel that ugh in your stomach, like I shouldn't have said that. Who knows what I'm talking about? Or you're watching something on television and you just feel in your heart, I, I'm not going to watch this junk. And you feel dirty. Just, you know, that's when you grieve the Holy Ghost. And then, so number one, quench. Number two, grieving the Holy Spirit. Number three, blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That's when you compare the work of God to the work of the devil. That's when God's moving and you say that that was the devil. That's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Well, that tongues is of the devil. Hey, rather, if you see something you don't understand, just, I don't get it, I don't understand, I, you know. But rather, don't, don't say something's the devil when you don't even know. Are you with me? So in the Bible, people went walking and leaping and praising God. Amen. Hallelujah. Who knows the song? When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I'm going to dance like David danced. When the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart, I'm going to shout like Joshua shouted. (laughs) The problem is a lot of believers, the Spirit of the Lord moves upon their heart to, to shout, and then they don't shout. Or... The pastor will say, okay, come on, we're going to give a shout. The walls are going to come down. Everyone shout. And then everyone shouts except the one person. They'll go, they'll just make it look like they're shouting. See if it blends in. No one knows. I look like I'm shouting, but I'm not shouting. And there are a lot of Christians. They look like they're Pentecostal, but they're not letting it flow forth. It's there, but they're not letting it out. Don't look at me like that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Come on, we're in a church where you can shout. We're in a church where you can dance. We're in a church where you can yield to the Holy Ghost. And you don't have to worry about offending anybody. You don't have to worry. Hallelujah. You don't have to worry. Hallelujah. Glory. Amen. Glory to God. I would run around the building, but then I'd be out of breath. So you'd see me at the pulpit. I said that one time I was down in, in, uh, in Alabama preaching a revival and there's a guy he was a pastor he was live streaming the service on his phone on Facebook the whole time he was the camera guy with his phone sitting right here just doing that the power of God hit the place people I mean the pastor there were two pastors. Well, there was one, he was filming, and he was the one who invited me to come preach at, at a camp meeting he was having. But, and then the pastor of the church that we were in, he was sitting 
there. And then as I'm preaching, suddenly he gets up and he's dancing and he's jumping and he's going, hallelujah, hallelujah. His wife had arthritis. She got healed that night. And the power of God hit him. He rolled across the ground. He told me afterwards, God hasn't touched me like that in like three years, you know. It, it, God began to move. And then it got so intense that I just, I thought I'd make a joke. I said, man, I'd run around here, but I'd be out of breath. So, you know, whatever. The, the camera guy jumps up. He said, I'll do it for you. And we have the video still. It's on Facebook where he ran around. And what's so funny is he's running. And you, he accidentally switches to the face cam. And you see his face. Ah! And the power of God demolished that place. People, I mean, there was one, he's a worship leader slash pastor. The power of God slung him across the ground. It was epic. It was epic. <laughs> I was around there, I think June. What was funny was during the fasting and praying, praying in January, the Lord actually told me all about that revival before I was even invited. I knew I was going to be there. I knew what was going to happen. The Lord already showed it to me. Amen. So it's according to the power that you're allowing to be at work within you. Because here's what you have to understand. When you yield and hear, you should be able to yield and hear people love you. If someone does get offended, we'll kick them out. We don't. You just tell me. We'll get rid of them. I mean, come on. I'm not building a church of religious people, just so you know. If you haven't noticed. I would take a handful of people who want to yield and are on fire. I'd take that over... Anything else? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've had brother and sister, big, big bucks, come and try to control the church with an offering, and it doesn't work. I told them, take, it, take the check, put Vaseline on it, stick it where the sun doesn't shine. You're not going to control this with money. You, no, nothing. Because this is priceless. It's priceless. What we have here, priceless. Amen. Amen. One thing I love about this church, you're either going to get mad, glad, or sad, but you're going to get something. <laughs> You can never leave the river and say, I didn't get anything out of that service. You're either going to get ticked off or you're going to get happy. <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. He's got ticked off at me before. Hey, bud. I've got ticked off at myself before. <laughs> I'd preach something and say, why am I preaching this? God is so good. You really don't have to worry about offending anybody. <laughs> Who's thankful for that? Because I've been in some churches, you see the man of God, okay, God, you're so free to move. And then God moves, and then he shuts it down. Like schizophrenia. You know, like, hello. It's like a cat. One day the cat loves you. Next day bites you and claws at you. Lord, we love you. No, we don't want that. That was, the, that was why I didn't want to come back to Coshocton. Mom called me back in 2012 in January. She said, you need to come back here and start a church. I said, I will never, ever come back to She already heard from the Lord. She knew what I was going to do. I, I said, I will never come back to Coshocton and even minister. I said, because God wants to move there and he's tried to move there. And the same people who cry out for revival are the same ones who shut it down. I, and I was like 21, 22. I, I grew up here. I knew what, what it was like. I said, I wouldn't. You can pay me to go there. Well, when the Holy Ghost gets on you, you do it for free. It's what you learn. <laughs> and then uh, around June or July, I'm praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? I'll do anything. That's, don't ever pray that unless you really mean it. 
I'll do anything. Lord, and I'll say, I'll go to Africa if you want me to go there and, 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 and live with the African, you know, whatever. If, whatever you want me to do, Lord, I'll go to Canada. I'll go to Mexico. I'll, I'll do anything. Amen. He said, go to Kishokta. No, not that. <laughs> no. <laughs> what I love about the Lord, he won't let you put stipulations on him. The one thing you say I'll never do is the one thing he'll tell you to do. I, I, when I was in Bible school, I had a whole semester on pastoring. It's all comic books, or it's all comics on my, uh, in my notes because I, I told the person sitting next to me, I said, I'll never be a pastor. I said, so I don't have to worry about this class. I'm just going to slide through it. And in my notes on pastoring, it's all comics. It's, you would fall on the ground laughing if you saw my notes. It's all funny comics. I didn't pay attention through any of it because I said I'll never be a pastor. Before I left Coshocton to go to, to go to Tampa to Bible school, my guitar teacher said, you'll be leading worship one day. He said, I, I can see you up playing with a band. I said, I will never be on stage. <laughs> everything I said I'd never do is everything I'm doing today. So the Lord said, go to Coshocton. I'm sending you back. He said, there's coming a, a great revival. There's coming a great revival. Yes, there is. He said, when you go back, you'll see the beginning of what I'm going to do through your life. Came back, had a two, we had a two-week revival. It was real. People getting saved, baptized in the Holy Ghost, people getting healed. Isn't the Lord so good? So we see that. We see ministers. They, they say, oh, Lord, send your fire. Oh, Lord, send revival. Oh, God, we need thee. And then the fire of God falls in a place. People walking and leaping, praising. The moment it gets out of the control of the minister, sometimes they get, they get nervous. Because they begin to think, oh, no, that person's our biggest tither over there. What if that person offends that person? And then their brain goes crazy. Oh, no, I need that. That's our, that's our you know, kid's minister. Oh, no, if they get, it's, you know. You just have, look, sometimes it needs to get out of control. Out of the control of man and into the control of God. Out of the hands of man, into the hands of God. Amen? And let the chips fall where they may. Now look, I keep trying to get to this. The reason it's so important for you to yield and hear to the Holy Spirit is because if you won't yield in here, you're not going to yield out there. Because in here, you might go walking and leaping and praising God. In here, you might have joy unspeakable and full of glory. In here, the power of God might... <laughs> boom, fall on you. You fall out under the power of God. And here you yield. But when you go out there, it's going to be them. When you go out there, it's going to be the Lord saying, now go to that person and tell them I love them. Go to that person, lay hands on them. Go over there. And then if you can yield in here, then surely you'll be able to yield out there. Can you say amen? amen. Are you with me? Yes. Hallelujah. 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 You'll know the spirit of the Lord will move upon you. In the first time, the, the first thing, what happens when the spirit of the Lord moves upon you, to, and you know, to yield for it could be to give a tongue, and then someone gives an interpretation. It could be that I need to do this. I need to say this. That lady, what what happened Sunday? Her heart was stirred. You'll know because your heart gets stirred. You can barely sit in your seat. You're sitting there. You're like, ah, ah. You know, you, you, who knows what I'm talking about? You're stirred. You're moved. And the first thing that happens is your head goes, "Don't do it." Don't you do it. You're going to make a fool of yourself. Don't you. And then, then your spouse goes, I see that. Don't you do it. No, 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 no. 
<laughs> Poor Ray, I, I've seen him one time had to wheel her out in a computer chair because she couldn't walk. <laughs> you remember that? I remember that. Amen. <laughs> when the Holy Ghost gets on you, people will say, that is not my wife, that's not my husband, that's not my kid. What happened to them? Are you with me? I'll tell you, the fire of God's followed right now. <laughs> Right now, weights are being lifted. Right now, burdens are being lifted. Right now. Right now. Right now, the Lord's equipping you with what you need. Hallelujah. When your heart's stirred, you just need to yield. You just need to yield. Your head will be screaming at you. But you just got to yield. Forget about what people think. They're thinking it anyway. Forget about what they say. Hallelujah. All of heaven's cheering you on. Come on, Keshachton, you can take the city. You're well able to take the land. Hallelujah. And it's according to the power that you allow to work on the inside of you. Will he do super abundantly? Far above. Far above. That's what this week is all about. It's about God flooding you. It's about God empowering you. It's about allowing big power to be at work on the inside of you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 <laughs> Why don't we just take a joy break right now? <laughs> this sermon brought to you by the makers of the oil of joy. Have you been feeling depressed? Sorrowful? New oil of joy. Brought to you by the makers of the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them, there was great joy in the city. They went walking and leaping and praising God. <laughs> walking and leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping and praising How does religion dry that stuff down? How do, how do religious people read the Bible and they find passages like that? What do they think that even looks like? You think Jesus walked around speaking Elizabethan English? <laughs> For verily thou would say unto thee. God has nothing to do with Elizabethan English. Heaven, in heaven, you're not going to be wearing a toga on a cloud, playing a harp. For verily, brother. Everyone walking around with the King James Bible. Heaven's a place of great rejoicing. In heaven began the day you got saved. Eternity began. You did all the dying you were ever going to do. The moment you got saved, that old man died and the new man was... And when you slip on over to the eternity, God's going to say, enter into the joy of the Lord. It happened the day you got saved on earth. He's then going to say, enter into the depression of the Lord. So I don't know how religion reads the Bible. They went walking and 
leaping and praising God. Walking and leaping. Praising God. So this is what's happening to her. She's being flooded. She's being flooded. <laughs> when God floods you, you won't just sit there. When God floods you, something's going to happen. You're going to feel it, man. Oh, man, something's happening. <laughs> when, 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 <laughs> Amen. Oh, man. Whew. <laughs> I didn't realize that was your computer. I thought that was an iPad for a minute. <laughs> when Samson took the foxes, what did he do? He... <laughs> What, what did Samson do? <laughs> you don't even want to know what I'm imagining right now. Oh, man. <laughs> so this is what's happening. People are being flooded. So it's a flood conference. I thought that'd be about Noah's Ark. <laughs> and the judgment of God. <laughs> no. <laughs> when Samson took, 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 took. <laughs> when, 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 yeah. <laughs> when he, when, phew, hallelujah. When he took the, the, the foxes, what did he do? He put fire to their tails. What did they do? They ran. With what? A sense of urgency. Ah, you know. And they did damage to the camp of the enemy. They burned it down. A lot of the church has lost its sense of urgency. Jesus is coming very, very soon. We got to go forth and reach the lost and dying world. They've lost a sense of urgency because they need the fire. When God takes you and sets your tail ablaze, you're not just going to sit there. Hallelujah. You're going to react. Hallelujah. If I put a fire under your, your seat, you wouldn't go. 
You wouldn't go, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verily. No, come on. You would get some unction in your gumption. And you'll function. Put some gas in your Ford and you go out for the Lord. It's a song. Amen. <laughs> Come on, this is going to be a week of saturation. This is going to be a week of God flooding your life. You're not even going to recognize yourself when God is through with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, my hands are burning like fire right now. I'll tell you this, even if you're, you're sitting there, you feel like nothing's happening, something is happening. You don't realize it. There's a big angel behind you. I just want to pre-warn you. You might say, well, <laughs> I don't think anything's happening. Trust me. There's a big angel behind you pouring fresh oil down your neck. Hallelujah. Yeah. Don't think nothing's happening. You can't get in an environment like this and stay the same. Impossible. Impossible.
Psalms 126. When the Lord turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter. And our tongue was singing. And then, then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us. Then again, turn our captivity, O Lord. As the streams of the south, they that sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. Why is it okay to cry in church? But the moment the joy of the Lord hits, makes everyone nervous. You can weep in the presence of God. You can laugh in the presence of God. Come on. The joy, of your, the joy of the Lord is your strength. What's happening right now? The Lord is strengthening his church. That's what's happening. Right now. The Lord's strengthening you. He's putting strength on you. Right now. So you won't come dragging in someday. You won't come dragging in at the altar. Pray for me, Pastor. It's been a hard week. It might be. It's scriptural to be challenged. But it's not scriptural to ever be defeated. Hallelujah. God just wants to touch his people. Sometimes the best thing a minister can do is shut up and stand back and let God move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's been in meetings just like this where the Lord's come and he spoke to me. And he'll put a blueprint for the next two, three years. It's in meetings just like this. The Lord will come and 
Wipe away that thing that's been bothering you. Just like this. Just like this. Just like this. Where bodies are healed. Just like this. Where direction comes. Just like this. That devil that's been standing in your way for years. Boom. Gone. Open up to Isaiah chapter 10. Isaiah 10. Hallelujah. In verse 27. Leave it to Rosie to be totally drunk in the Holy Ghost, and she's still writing her notes. She can't even see the page. <laughs> just, 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 amen. Don't worry about them. <laughs> that was that was the funniest thing I've ever saw. <laughs> could only see some of the things that I see from the pulpit. It's amazing. (laughs) Isaiah 10, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. I believe in Coshocton, Ohio, that there's going to be a flood of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Not just in the four walls where we're having this great service tonight, but I'm talking about a flood that will go forth all through Coshocton, Ohio. Are you with me? Can you say amen? I believe that there's other pastors in Coshocton that God's activating. I believe that there's going to be a great activation of God's people in this city. The Lord spoke to me that there's another generation of ministers, a generation of ministers in this city. They just don't know who I am yet. Hallelujah. What does that tell me? Then, of course, you know, we're going to launch a Bible school here, and that's going to be happening. Amen. Thank God we have a building where we can function a little better to do something like that. An accredited Bible school, a college here. Hallelujah. Get ready. There's going to be evangelists that are going to be launched out of this church. There's going to be pastors, prophets, teachers, evangelists that are going to go to the far front corners of the earth. It may be small now, like the size of a man's hand, but I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Hallelujah. 
God's doing a work in our city. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And I believe God's going to take some people, just like he did with me in Tampa, Florida, and put a mandate on me. Go back. I believe that even in this church, he's going to put a mandate on people. Go to this nation. Go to this state. Go to this city. And there's going to be a shaking that will take place. The Lord spoke to me in 2012. Go back to Coshocton. He said, I'm going to pour out my spirit over that city. And he said that there will be people from other nations that shall come to receive what I'm pouring out in, in your city. And they will go back to their nations and fire will be lit across the globe. I mean, this is just what the Lord spoke to me. So if I be mad beside myself as some say, it's for the glory of God. Hallelujah. Come on, who knows God has a plan for our city. Then I come back. We started the River Church, which was, I didn't know at that time to start a church. But we started the church. We called it the River. I asked Pastor Ronnie, can we call it the River? He said, I don't care what you call it. Just go do it. I said, okay, yes, sir. He took up an offering to start the church. I didn't have anything. Literally had nothing. I had $11 in my bank account. The Lord says, start a church. Pastor Rodney finds out. We're in the middle of a meeting. He calls me out. On a, it was a Thursday night. He calls me. Go up front. Power of God hit me. I fell under the power of God. He said, this young man's going to go. I was 22. He said, he's going to go to a city and start a church. He said, how old are you? I said, 22. He said, I was 22 when I started my first church. He said, we're going to receive an offering for him right now. Over 1,000 people. People came. Talk about a shower, a blessing. People came and poured money on me. I was laying there. For, for Kishokton, people from Canada People from the UK. <laughs> People from Finland. People from Turkey. They all gave to Kishokton to start a church here. When I got up, I had euro in my hand. I had Canadian dollars in my hand. <laughs> I actually had a bag of money. The ushers put it in a bag and gave it to me. And Pastor Ronnie said, I'm going to put $1,000 on top of all of that. It was about four or $5,000. And the Lord said, you'll never lack. Yes. <laughs> and we've never lacked. <laughs> we've never lacked. We've never lacked. Not one time. In almost seven years. Next month will be seven years. This church has never lacked. We've never had to put a stinking thermometer up to pay a bill. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we're, we're paying less money to be in here having church than we did at that stinking office building on 7th Street. Paying less money. We're doing more with less money. We've never lacked. That night I was in uh, at my friend's house. I took all the money. I put it on the bed. I started thanking God. I took $1,000, put it in an envelope, and I put it in to Pastor Rodney's building fund down in Tampa. And I said, Lord, I'm just giving this. I know you've blessed me with this. I'm going to tithe off of it, and then I'm going to give this other 1000 I said, because I know I'm going to need a building. Come back, 2013, we launched the church. This was a restaurant at that time. That, my dad was still alive at that time. We were sitting right there looking out at the river 
And I looked around the building, and me and Dad were looking around. I said, man, this would make a great church. 13, or, or no, 2013. I wasn't 13. I was 23. <laughs> and then the Lord put it in the hearts of other people. I mean, Jennifer was back there. She was fasting and praying that we'd get this building. It's not just about one person. It's about God using all of us. Given us such favor with the landlord. There's going to be a flood of ministries being birthed here. Flood. We've probably already had more nations come to this church, probably than I don't know. I don't know about the other churches, the nations they have been. We've had Finland come here and preach. Tommy. There's a demon trying to get out back there. Get out in Jesus' name. <laughs> Here's something scraping. Had <laughs> Finland, and South Africa, more than once, Germans. We had one couple. I was in, uh, I think Finland or Turkey, one of the two, I don't know. But there was a couple from Holland, and uh, I knew them from Tampa. They, they were actually over the finances, and one guy was the personal assistant of Pastor Rodney. We came here, we launched the church, went back to Tampa, told everyone what happened. They're all happy. Well, I, I met that couple, Holland, at that time. They, when we started the church, they were in, head of the finance. Now I'm in another country. They were there. In like Finland. I think it was Finland. They said, we want to take you out to lunch. I said, oh, yeah, okay, sure. Actually, it was dinner. We go and we sit down. And uh, here, here's, the, here's actually the funny thing. So they were head of the finance or whatever. And uh, I was watching online one night. And this is after we had started the church. I was watching the replay of Sunday morning at the River Tampa, I was watching. And then I saw him up on stage, this guy from Holland, who I didn't know him then. And this was before I saw him in another country. But, but I saw him on, on stage, and Dr. Ronnie's announcing, they're going back to Holland and starting a river church. I was so moved. I wrote out a check for $500, and I wrote on it, no lack. And I, and I mailed it to them while they were still living in Tampa. I didn't really know them. I mean, I made in passing when I lived there, but I didn't really know them. 500 bucks. I said, I have to give in to that. And we had had the church here, and I just sowed a seed, and that was it. And didn't hear from them, whatever. They cashed the check. That was it. Well, now we're in another country. They see me. Zach, we want to take you to dinner. So we go out and go to dinner. They, and they, to, they told me this. They said, you don't know this, but when you went and started the church, we thought, if you could do it, we can do it. <laughs> and so they went and they said we just want you to know that inspired us when you did it we, we, we went to Holland and he man, I feel the anointing oh, just like waves <laughs> they go back and start the river Holland one service no one showed up one service they had one church service no one showed up and it was him and his wife, and his wife was on the front row crying. Well, or, well, well she didn't cry, but I think they were, whatever. And, and he was preaching, and he still preached. 
I don't know if she was crying. I don't know. I forgot the whole thing. But they were there. And he preached the, one, he preached the sermon to his wife because he knew if I'm faithful and what's little, I'll be made ruler over more. Now they have a Bible school. They're going across the nation. Hundreds of people are being graduated out of the Bible school. It's only been around for five years. They're graduating, waiting, hundreds of students. Their church is packed to the brim. Oh, yeah, we had UK, Samuel Dent. He came here and preached. Then I meet a couple in Rochester. I think I was in Pennsylvania. I had lunch with them. And they started the River Church in Rochester. And they told me something very similar. He said, I saw you start a church. I said, if he, if he could do it, we could do it. And they started the River Church in Rochester. So you don't understand that your step of obedience can have a ripple effect. Where now lives are being reached. And we give all the glory to the Lord. It's the Lord who, who stirs that in people. But your obedience can just, it does something to someone else. And if they can do it, I can do it. So here we have churches way bigger than our church. I don't care. I've been at the lunches with pastors, and they brag about how big their church is. You have the one pastor, you should see my church, 500 members. I'm sitting there. The next pastor, you should see my church. We just, built it. we just built an addition that can seat 1,200 people. Oh, that's nothing. You should see my church. And they look at me. You should see my church. We have seven strong on Sunday morning. <laughs> Praise God. We have revival. We put the devil on the run. Yes, yes, yes. Like, who can pee the longest stream? That's what it's like, sitting there with those people. Because God's really raising up a Gideon's army. People who know how to drink. That's what he wants. Is this helping anyone tonight? Is the Lord stirring you tonight to do something big? To maybe go out of your comfort zone a little bit? The burden shall be taken away. From off thy shoulder. And his yoke from off thy neck. Who know, do you know what a yoke is? I never knew what a yoke was until I was about 20 years old. I mean, I was quoting the scripture. I, didn't, I thought it was an egg yoke. And it says the yoke will be broke. <laughs> so I thought, I, I did. No one told me what a yoke was. So I'm walking around 19 in Bible school. Yeah, the yoke will be destroyed. I didn't know what that meant. Until I Googled it and I saw two cows with a yoke around their neck. <laughs> you put the yoke around them and you can control the direction that they go. I didn't know that. It's not like I was raised on a farm. But I was raised in Kashokton. I guess I don't have an excuse. <clears throat> Everyone say a flood. Of the anointing. There's going to be a flood of the presence and the power of God in our city. The anointing is the manifest presence and power of God. That's what the anointing is in a nutshell. It's the manifest. Now, God's everywhere, but he's not manifest everywhere. He manifests himself where there's hungry people and where there's thirsty people. Hallelujah. God will put his anointing in a place. God will put his anointing on a person. God will anoint you for service for the ministry. And when he anoints you to do something, it's for the purpose of the kingdom of God. If he anoints you for worship and for instruments, you use that for the kingdom of God. Why would you use that for the devil? Ever. 
We'll never start our Sunday morning with a secular song. Why would we do that? It's for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The anointing is for service. Amen. I want to encourage you, if the Lord's gifted you and anointed you for something, use it for the glory of God. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. There's going to be a flood of his anointing, his presence and power. But not just in the four walls on a Sunday morning. I believe it's going to flood into the highways and to the byways. You know, we were out soul winning one time, knocking on doors. Has anyone told you God loves you? Mom knocked on one door. She laid hands on this lady. Boom. The lady starts falling over and has to grab something. She said, if I didn't have something to grab, I would have fell. That's a flood. Amen. Where the Lord floods you and then floods through you into your home into your workplace, in, in the marketplaces, in Bueller's, in Walmart. Come on. I believe and I see it. A flood of the glory and the power and the presence of God sweeping across our city. And I believe, really, there's going to be a great awakening from sea to shining sea that God is using many people to be a part of this end time, last day move of God. And I live here, so we're going to make sure that this city is going to be a part of what God's doing. Can you say amen? You live here too, so let's make sure we catch the wave. Amen. The word anointing in Isaiah 10, 27, the anointing, it says the yoke shall be destroyed. What? Because of the anointing. Now, people read this and they say, well, okay, you know, I'll have a yoke around my neck. I'll be in bondage of some kind. Then the anointing will come down in a service or in a place or whatever Who's ever viewed it like that? Then the anointing comes down and then boom, destroys it and then the anointing leaves. That's how the church world, isn't that right? That's how they see that passage of scripture. That you'll have a bondage, then the anointing comes on you, boom, and then the anointing leaves. Right? Come to the altar, power of God falls on me, boom. Oh, I'm free, the, the yoke was destroyed, then the anointing's back there somewhere. People think that. They come to church. They think the anointing's only in church. But, you know, the Bible says in 1 John that you have an anointing from the Holy One. The anointing, the presence, and the power of God lives on the inside of you. The word anointing in this verse is the word shemen, which also means fat. More modern translations of the Bible will translate it this way, Isaiah 10, 27. It says that their burden will be lifted from off your shoulder and their yoke from your neck and the yoke will be destroyed because you've grown so fat. <laughs> Who's ever had a favorite shirt and then uh, something happened that, you know, maybe you begin to grow as a person. Amen. You just begin to grow. Amen. And then suddenly, I mean, I have this shirt. I really like it. I really like the shirt. But man, when I wear that thing, it's like, you know, you know what I mean? It's, I'm not... You know, I used to be 112 pounds. I was like, I was tiny. I mean, I look like, you know. People came up to me. They, they said, is the cancer back? And I would say, no, I just need to eat more. You know? People thought I was sick. I was running around in ministry, 112 pounds. Just skinny. You could see all my bones. It was gross, you know. And uh, they thought I was, had cancer, <laughs> which I used to, and I got healed of it. But, you know. So I got a bunch of shirts. I was like, well, those don't fit me now. You know, they don't. It's saying that the yoke will be destroyed because you've grown so fat. In other words, the yoke will be destroyed. It doesn't, it's not saying the anointing's going to come down, break the yoke, and zap back up into heaven. And then later, oh, Lord, send your anointing. Oh, Lord, send. No, it's saying that you, the anointing in you has grown. 
has increased to the point that the yoke that was around your neck breaks off. Come on, did you get that? Come on, that's what that's saying. It says, lay hands on me. I need the anointing to destroy the yoke. Well, I will because, you know, we'll do that. However, you can allow the Lord to rise up big on the inside of you and it will break the yoke. It'll snap the chains. You see it? The, the yoke will be destroyed because you've grown so fat. Or in other words, the, the, the yoke will be destroyed because of the increase of the anointing that's upon your life. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. How many of you guys know when, when that yoke destroys on you, then you are anointed in Pramakaburamashte stop. What, what the Lord does to you, he's going to do through you. When that thing snaps on you, you can go and snap it off other people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And that's the flood. That's the flood. It's allowing God to do something in you, and then the Lord raising you up to do something through you. Yes. Come on. Amen. Yes. <laughs> Not say, okay, you need to come to church on Sunday, and then the pastor will pray for you. You pray for the people. Are you with me? Everyone say, big Holy Ghost. When the Holy Ghost rises up big on the inside of you, the yoke is going to be destroyed. Hallelujah. I'm going to end here. Then we're going to pray. Are they good to say a little after? Okay, we'll just go check on them afterwards, so. Who's ever heard of the Welsh revival? There was a revival in Wales. Young evangelist, young fiery. I mean, he was in his 20s. He had a revival. You want to talk about a flood? You go study the Welsh revival. Where even to this day, in Wales, at the sporting events, they'll sing the tune of the hymns of the revival. They've changed the lyrics since then, but they'll still sing the tune of the hymns of, the, of, of that revival of old. The power of God during that revival, invaded Wales to such a degree that it said, you can go study it in the history books, that people couldn't even, they went to the bars to drink and they couldn't pick up the, the, the booze from the bar. They couldn't pick it up to put it to their mouth. It was stuck to the, to the bar. So they were trying to get it and they couldn't move it. And it was even said that they would go to try to drink and, and they would fall on the ground and they didn't know what was going on. But it was because the glory of God flooded Wales. Where it even got to the point where they had to shut the coal mines down. Because all the, the, the coal miners trained all the donkeys to respond to foul language. Well, all the coal miners went to the revival. They got saved. They, when they went back to the coal mines, they, they couldn't cuss anymore. The, the Lord had sanctified their tongues. And they felt bad. To, to, so they had to retrain all the donkeys. It shut, it shut the whole city down. That's a flood. You can go read about the Second Great Awakening. Go read about Charles Finney. He's from Rochester, New York, where there's a river church now. Well, Charles Finney went in, and uh, the, the power of God so flooded that city that they actually had to disband the police force for about nine months because there was no more crime in the city. The power of God so hit the city 
that they had to shut the police force down. Don't tell me that these things were only for the 1800s and early 1900s and back in the Bible days. It is just, the power of God is just as real today in 2020 as it was 100 years ago. And people talk about what God used to do. God's ready to do something right now. More than ever, he's ready. He's ready. Hallelujah. In fact, his eyes go to and fro. And what does God always do? He doesn't just say, okay, God's not up there in heaven on a lazy boy recliner and there's a big map of the earth. And he says, Gabriel, give me a dart. And throws it. Oh, it landed on that city. Okay, let's go send revival there. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. God always looks for somebody he can use. He always looks for somebody that's hungry, <laughs> that's desperate, that's crying out, saying, God, oh God, come and move. Touch these people. Touch my city. Touch my generation. Here I am, Lord. Use me. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro, looking for someone. He can show himself strong on their behalf. He looks for someone. God always finds somebody, and he raises them up puts the anointing on them, floods them, and then floods through them. I pray when God looks over Coshocton, Ohio, even this week, that he sees you crying out. Because it's not about one. Don't, don't you ever put something around me and lift me up. Like No, it's about every one of us together being a part of what God's going to do. Don't you ever put me on a pedestal. I'm very replaceable. It's not about a man. It's about him. I believe you're going to catch the wave. Hallelujah. Come on, are you, are you seeing it? Catherine Coleman. Who knows of Catherine Coleman? Great ministry upon her life. You know, and these people weren't perfect people, by the way. And God still used them. Catherine Coleman, it said that she would go, they have reports, she would go into a hotel and people were getting healed on the other floors and in the other rooms. She would have a meeting. Was it Catherine Coleman when you were a little girl, someone got healed, or was that Oral Roberts? Catherine Coleman? Mom, when she was just a little girl, 10 years old or whatever, their neighbor had stage 4 cancer, went to a Catherine Coleman meeting, was healed of stage 4 cancer. It was like the talk of the town because this lady was getting treatment. She was given up to die. She goes, she gets totally healed. And, and back then, Mom didn't even know who's Catherine Coleman. You know, and it takes... Years later, you find out. Well, she would go into a city. People were getting healed in the homes around where the meeting was. That's a flood. When, two buildings ago, when we moved into the building, I tell you, it was a flood in the whole community over in South Lawn. It was like a flood in that area. We went in, began to have prayer meetings. We began to pray, Lord, let all the drug houses be emptied out. Man, it was like Wednesdays, you'd hear, boom. And it was the police, all the drug houses were getting closed down all around us. And we were in there praying. Lord, just shut them all down. And it flooded into the other. It flooded. Everyone say flood. flood. Acts 5.15. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds also gathered from towns all around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormenting with, uh, tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. That's a flood. Come on, I believe after this week, when you walk into a room, the atmosphere of the room should change. 
when you walk in, it doesn't matter what was going on before you went in there. You know, people came, we moved into this building, it was a bar. I've had religious people say, now you really need to pray. You really need to anoint that place because, man, there was stuff going on here. Well, people were getting drunk. I mean, they were sinners. They were doing, I went in here in 15 minutes, just say, okay, Lord, we thank you for this building. We consecrate it now to the work of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, whatever was going on in here before we got in here, you get out now, right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for the angels of God in this property. In Jesus, I didn't have to come and bring shofars and anointing oil and go through the place and have a big thing. And you really need to pray over that building. No, we just set our feet on it. <laughs> when we show up, the devil runs. We don't run from the devil. He runs from us. I mean, we just heard one, one, one straggler. <laughs> Could have been a mouse, I don't know. One straggler. <laughs> this bless anyone tonight. How many of you, the Lord is challenging you even tonight to, to believe for bigger things? Yeah. Who, believes, who believes God's called you to a greater purpose? Just raise your hand. Come on, who's, who's that? Who's that? Amen. Hallelujah. Jen, could you get on the keyboard? This is going to be an amazing week. It's going to be an amazing week. I want to encourage you, bring somebody. Who knows someone who needs a touch from God? Yeah, bring them. Bring them, amen. Come on, just close your eyes all across this place. Thank you, Lord. I want everybody with your head bowed and your eyes closed. If you feel God has called you, man, it's kind of hard to put it in the words, but even though it's very simple, it's what I just said. Something, he's going to use you for his kingdom in some way. And you know it's bigger than where you're at right now. If that's you, he's called you to service for the kingdom in some way, but it's bigger than where you're at right now. If that's you, I want you to just quickly stand to your feet quickly just quickly just stand to your feet it's bigger hallelujah maybe it makes no sense in the natural so you hesitate to even stand because you know you can't do it in the natural but it's there the call is 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 there I believe tonight what the Lord's going to do is set you apart. It's going to set you apart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you
want you to quickly come up to the altar. I want to pray for you quickly. Just come make a line, just like we did Sunday. Just come. Once you come, close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven. Hallelujah. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, to work hard so that you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Verse 19, but God's truth stands firm like a foundation stone. With this inscription, the Lord knows who are his, and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones for everyday use. But if you keep yourself pure and separate, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will always be ready for the master to use for every good work. Run away from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. Enjoy the companionship of all those who call upon the name of the Lord with pure hearts. And again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only starts fights. Because the servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everybody. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Hallelujah. I want everybody that's standing here to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer of consecration. This was the prayer I prayed when I was 14 years old. Don't pray this unless you mean it. It's basically just saying, not my will, but your will be done. Someone says, I've done this before. Yeah, well, sometimes you just need to stay in the place of consecration. Sometimes you need to come back and do it again. Amen. Sometimes we can go on a side journey. Sometimes we can get sidetracked. We find we're not in the place we should be. I believe you're not here by accident. I believe the Lord's calling some people back in the service even tonight to serve him. You can't get away from the call. You can't run from the call. You can't. You can try to distract yourself, but there's always that thing on the inside of you. Say, man, I know God has more for me. Some people just feel trapped where you're at right now. You're not going to spin your wheels anymore in Jesus' name. You're not going to spin your wheels anymore. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, tonight I come to you. I give you my all. I give you my best. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll say what you want me to say. I'll be what you want me to be.
not my will, your will be done in my life. Whatever you say, I will do. Wherever you send me, I will go. Lord, you're everything. You are my Lord. Tonight, I consecrate myself and I set myself apart for you and you alone. Seal me now by your blood and by your spirit. Fill me afresh with your power and your anointing. In Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to worship him. Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus.